Welcome to The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During the show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of resentment. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Swetha and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Spencer. How are you today, Spencer? I'm doing well, Swetha. Thanks. Next to Spencer is co-host and special guest Liz. How are you today, Liz? Great. Thanks, Swetha. So the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic resentment. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in meetings that we intend and in our lives. We will follow that with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. Um, As I said, my name is Swetha, and so let's go ahead and jump right into talking about resentments. Resentment for me was, before I came to the program, was largely a, uh, I think, a phrase I heard earlier this week, righteous indignation at someone else's behavior and uh, justifiable anger. And then after I came into the program and started thinking more about resentments, I realized resentments were really just, I was scared that I didn't know how to handle a situation that happened in the past again. So I was angry about that situation, and I was angry about what continued, what had happened, because I didn't want it to be, quote-unquote, okay with me being happy about it or being okay with it. And I also thought if I stayed angry or resentful about it, it would be a way to protect myself because I didn't have any other coping mechanism. I didn't have a way to set a boundary in the past. What about you guys? How did you, what what does resentment mean to you guys? Uh, Spencer? Well, you know, when I first came into the program, when I was, I remember when I was working my fourth step um, and I was thinking back. So the fourth step is uh, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And and I was looking back and there was, uh, you know, it was questions about, do you, have grudges or resentments uh, from the past or whatever. And and I thought to myself, uh, I guess looking back naively, that, oh, no, I don't I don't carry grudges. I don't carry <laughs> resentments, you know. I, I, I'm good about that. Um, and what it really meant was that I just really wasn't seeing myself well enough. Um, I did recognize that that uh, I carry a lot of resentments against myself about past behavior that I can continue to beat myself up over, like, oh, Spencer, that was so stupid. What were you thinking <laughs> when you did that? And, and you know, there's some incidents that occurred like 30 years ago that I still, I can still go there. And uh, I find it very hard to forgive myself for that past behavior. And, and I, But understanding what is a resentment I th- is... It's, for me, at least one thing that resentments are for me is it's anger over something that happened in the past. And and I've heard that, I heard people say that, that when I am having a resentment, when I'm carrying a resentment, I'm living in the past. And and I think, you know, that that's sort of part of what makes it hard is because I can't change the past. So, yeah, that's sort of where my understanding is right now. How about you? Um, I think it's really interesting that you brought up the idea of uh, carrying resentments against yourself because I think that's certainly something that I've I've seen resenting you know resenting myself for something that I did um, replaying the scenario in my head and you know coming up with different ways to do it better 
Um, but another thing I found is even resentments I carry against other people. Um, I feel like a lot of times those are really resentments that I have against myself as well because, you know, I, I'll feel resentful against someone when I generally when I let them treat me badly or treat me in a way that isn't appropriate, you know, a guy I dated in college who cheated on me or, you know, some friends I had in high school who were awful to me because that's what teenage girls do to each other. And when I look at those scenarios, because um, I'm actually working on my fourth step inventory and I did the resentment section this week, um, <laughs> you know, I find that w- w- who I'm really angry at is myself because I put myself in a position where, you know, I let someone walk all over me and I didn't stick up for myself and I let myself be, you know, treated shitty and victimized and, you know, I didn't do anything and I wish I had the ability to go back and change it and, you know, treat myself better in that scenario. Yeah, I really like what you said, Liz, about um, how you let yourself be treated in certain ways. In the past, I used to think they treated me this way. I They did this. They're, it's all their fault. And um, I, with resentments, I think a lot of the times that I carried those resentments and grudges for a long time is when I focused on other people and their part in it rather than my part in it. So I kept thinking that there was nothing I could do, that this horrible thing that happened could happen again because... I had no part in it at all. I was perfectly innocent and I had no responsibility in that situation. And um, and I was scared that that could happen again, like I mentioned before. And then when I came into the program and I, I did my fourth step, um, I started realizing that there was, I mean, I looked at the past and was scared of the future because I was living in the past. And I completely missed the part in between where there was a present that I could change. I could change the things I was doing or saying, and that I could change the future. And so once I started having situations where, realizing there were situations where I could change my behavior to keep myself safe, to set my boundaries, I was able to let go of those resentments. And in the cases where I'm still not sure what better way to be (laughs) is, I'm still carrying those grudges and resentments. So sometimes they could carry on for a long time. How about about you, Spencer? I know I have 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 carried resentments and that I've mostly let go of about like the behavior of my alcoholic when when she was actively drinking and you know I I have found forgiveness for a lot of those actions but that doesn't mean that sometimes those feelings don't get triggered again and it's really easy sometimes to pull up that anger about something that happened because and you know, I haven't really thought about this. Well, did she, you know, she did it to me, and so I have a right to be anger, mm. you know. And that that you said righteous righteous indignation. Yep, righteous indignation. Um, <laughs> and that is that is definitely a place where I used to go. It's just I'm angry. I have a right to be angry because this person is just screwing things up, and <laughs> and they shouldn't be, and and so that. That can certainly, I can have that feeling in the moment, and then I can I can hold on to it, and that's when it turns into a resentment. But it's 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 a tricky thing because we think about, you know, what 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 resentments do to me, um, and one of the things, like I said, is it it, it prevents me from living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it pulls me back into the past. It pulls me back into that those things that happened before. And so I think there's also uh, a feeling of helplessness there because, again, I can't change what happened, uh, which 
can turn into a self-feeding cycle of uh, anger over the past and living in the past and continuing to be angry about it. I don't know, Liz. I think that's uh, I think that's really really interesting. Um, you know, one thing I've I've kind of looked at with resentment is that you know it keeps you in the past, but it also kind of prevents you from by holding you in the past. It prevents you from seeing what's in front of you in the future, and that's something that I've been really really trying to work on for myself. Um, you know, sometimes I'll find myself like, you know, reliving these scenarios in my head that, you know, some shitty thing that happened to me and it fills me with so much anger. And I'll find myself like, you know, jaw clenchingly mad about something that happened months ago or years ago. And at the same time, I'm not seeing the good things that I have in front of me. And it's almost like the anti-gratitude, like keeps me out of, you know, appreciating the good things that I have in my life. And, you know, one of the big sets of resentments that I've had to deal with is obviously the resentments toward my qualifier that I, you know, held for, you know, behavior that he did when he was drinking or things that happened to me because of his drinking. Um, and, you know, I had that experience in May where he split up with me because I wasn't recovering and our relationship was really toxic at that point. And that was a really painful experience. But one thing that it really gave me is it almost like wipes the slate clean for those resentments. Um, because, you know, once I was faced with the idea of never having this person in my life again, all I could think about was like all of the good things that we had had in our relationship and all of the things that I was grateful for rather than the, you know, stupid resentments over, you know, things that had happened because of his disease. And so, you know, that was that was immensely helpful to my relationship and that, you know, I don't really find myself carrying a lot of anger and grudges against him. Um but, you know, there's still a lot of things that I feel resentful about, a lot of people that I feel resentful about. And, you know, I just, I've been trying to focus on if when I think of something that like makes me mad about someone or, you know, hurts me or makes me feel angry or resentful about a friend, I try to, you know, focus on some of the good things that I have in that relationship with that person. And it doesn't always work, but it, you know, it kind of mediates it some. So in both of your, um, shares, I kind of got from you guys that it affected your behavior in the present and when you have resentments. And I mean, that's definitely I, I see in myself. I uh, When I'm resentful, I start going into, like you were saying, uh, Spencer, like this cycle where I it's just a self-destructive thought process where I think, why didn't I do this better? Why did this person do it this way? And so my self-esteem starts getting destroyed. My I'm not living in the present anymore. I'm missing everything going on around me that and missing opportunities for myself to change my behavior in that moment, not the moments that have already passed, but rather the present moment. And um, all of a sudden, it's just this feedback cycle where I, I can't, I, I feel like I'm spiraling <laughs> a little bit. Do you, do you guys feel that way, Spencer? Yeah, well, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, my sort of self-resentments mm. and, and self-esteem. Um, you know, a lot of, I can really feed uh, sort of my personal feeling of shame mm -hmm. um, when I think about some of the stupid things that I did in the past and start kicking myself for them again. Um, <laughs> yep. And uh, and so that's that's also one of these self-feeding cycle things. And so one of the ways that I try to break that mm -hmm. is uh, particularly when I'm, I'm kicking myself about things that happen in, you know, the distant past for me, um, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, where, I, yeah, I was an adult, but I was, what I tell myself is, you know, you're not the same person now that you were then. I'm not the same person now that I was two or three years ago. 
Okay, how much more am I not that person that I was 30 years ago? And that, that can help. That can, it can help me to forgive myself, mm -hmm. um, to say, yeah, you know, you were young, you were stupid, uh, <laughs> you did these things, um, and you've grown from it. And, and that, that sometimes helps. So like being gentle with yourself. That can, yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I might forgive, it's, it's, it's somehow easier for me to forgive other people for things than it is for me to give, forgive myself. I don't know if, do you guys find that at all? I definitely find that, um, you know, self-forgiveness and self-criticism are, you know, a huge thing for me. I'm, I'm constantly looking at, you know, things that I don't like about myself or things that I feel like I could do better as a person. And it's really hard to ever get, kind of let myself off the hook. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a, a voicemail with a question about resentment. I think I'm going to play that now. Okay. Hi, this is Mark from Pluto. I have a question about resentments. That's the topic that you're going to be having on your next show. And I'm curious as to whether any of you ever had any resentments towards AA. Any resentments about the amount of time that maybe your loved one had to spend with Alcoholics Anonymous and that fellowship and maybe some resentment towards maybe some of the things that your loved one might be learning in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd like to get your feedback. Thanks. Love the show. I guess our show went intergalactic then. Pluto. From, yeah. yeah, Pluto. Look at that. Um, I think when I, uh, with my primary qualifier, or I guess one of my qualifiers, um, the person that I'm uh, dating, he was already in recovery when I met him, actually. So it wasn't, I don't think I ever had a resentment against AA. I mean, it was just part of um, part of our lives from the second we knew each other. What about you guys? I... Oh, I had big resentments. <laughs> um, you know, the timeline of our recovery process as a couple is he he got he started uh, recovery late September of 2011, and I started recovery May of 2012. So there's a big time period where I was. He was doing the best he could to, you know, help himself, and I wasn't doing anything. And, you know, I was resentful because he had, when he was drinking, you know, he didn't necessarily have a lot of time or brain cells to commit to me and our relationship. And so when he got sober, it was like, you know, the outpatient treatment program and then AA, and it just felt like, you know, he was never here when he was drinking because he was passed on the couch all the time. And then, oh, he gets an AA and he's got all these meetings. And I remember saying to him, because um, somebody had said to him early on, like, oh, 90 meetings or 90 days, 90 meetings. And so we got to like, you know, four months or so out. And I was like, well, you know, you're past the 90 days. You need to keep going to meetings daily. Can't you just like stay home and spend time with me? And, you know, it was just such an unhealthy, you know, perspective. I just remember feeling so resentful about all the time he had to spend on all this stuff. And, you know, thankfully, I've, since starting my own recovery, I've kind of learned how important it is for him and also how important it is for us to, you know, spend time apart and do different stuff. So it's not something I hold anymore, but I was hugely resentful in the beginning. Spencer? I don't think I was ever resentful of AA. Um Whenever my loved one um, sought recovery, I was really happy uh, that she was doing that. I I do recall being resentful about one of the treatment programs she was in. Uh, this was a, a treatment program for women 
And I guess a lot of the women in the program uh, were coming maybe out of abusive relationships or they were coming out of jail. Uh, and so the program had some very strict rules. And, and one of those rules was that we were not allowed to communicate directly at all. How long was the program? Um, she was there for a couple of months. It was a residential program in town. Wow. And uh, I had, I was like, why, you know? <laughs> I mean, I understand intellectually mm -hmm. why they would have that rule and why they have to try to apply that rule uniformly. But I didn't see why it had to apply to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, and so, yeah, I was I was like, those people, what are they thinking? What are they, you know? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, while she was there, she was sober, and I was grateful for that. So it was, it, it, it's very, it was a very conflicting uh, sort of situation. So, I, so we talked a lot about resentments. How do you guys, how do you guys handle it when you have resentments? I know for me, when I start having a resentment, uh, I push it to the side of my mind because I need to be working on code or something at work. But um, at some point later that evening, I, I try to do an inventory and uh, a lot of what helps me is I'll put down why I was resentful. Um, how it affected me, what I used to do before I got into recovery or a year ago or whatever, what I want to do, what I did this time and what I want to do next time. And that gives me a way to be gentle with myself and see how far I've progressed, um, to see what I've done. So it's not like I'm in denial about what happened. And then to see that, you know, I have a plan of action for next time. So I'm not this helpless victim or that I sometimes try to play that card. And that helps me a lot with my resentments. Um, what about you, Liz? Uh, well, I'm still kind of working the fourth step part, so I haven't really gotten to, you know, doing regular inventories or anything. Um, but, you know, one thing I, from looking at my resentments, I think a lot of them fall into kind of, you know, the category of resentments against people who treated me in a way that kind of plays on my own insecurities and my own feelings of, you know, not being good enough, not being, you know, lovable or likable enough. I mean, one of the big issues and big resentments that I run into currently is, you know, once my qualifier got sober, that really changed our social landscape. Um, you know, we used to hang out with a bunch of people who, you know, went out to the bars pretty regularly and drank pretty heavily. And I'm still friends with a lot of those people. But at the same time, we're no longer, you know, that fun couple you go drinking with. Um, so a lot of times we don't get invited to stuff as a couple anymore or... My friends will invite me but expect me to, you know, get hammered like they do. And A, I don't really like to get hammered like that anymore. And B, you know, I don't like to go home to my recovering alcoholic with, you know, booze breath. Um, and so, you know, I end up feeling kind of left out and like, you know, people don't like me. People don't want to be my friend. And I find kind of the best way to deal with that is to try to address those feelings with people in a healthy way. Like I've had conversations with a couple of my friends like, hey, I know that we don't really, you know, drink like we used to, but it's still, you know, appreciate if you guys could invite us and like let us make the decisions for ourselves if that's a healthy environment. And, you know, I find taking action to ask that people treat me in a better way makes me feel a little more confident and a little stronger and like, okay, I did everything I could to, you know, be treated in the way that I want to be treated. And, you know, if the, if I'm still not getting what I want, you know, it's kind of water under the bridge and it just makes me feel kind of stronger and more confident and, you know, like I'm taking care of myself. And so the resentments don't, aren't as bad. Spencer? 
Um, yeah, so I, as I was listening to you, Swayth, I'm thinking, wow, I'm so not that organized. <laughs> Amen. It's the OCD in me. <laughs> Amen. Guys, wow. I like lists, all right? Let me just put that out there. Lists and me, we're like this. For the <laughs> listeners, I'm crossing my fingers very tightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that about you. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, that I do is um, when I feel a resentment, um, which, as I said, is generally some anger about something that's passed, or um, it's anger about the way that I think somebody else, in particular, generally my my wife, um, <laughs> about the way that her needs, her desires are going to affect my life. And usually it's not about reality. It's about me projecting what I think it's going to be. Absolutely, um, and that's sort of, you know I mean that comes back to our our topic uh, a couple weeks ago of expectations, where mm-hmm. um, you know expectations can be a premeditated resentment. So I can <laughs> expect that my loved one, whether it's my wife, my uh, uh, my one of my children, uh, my parents, a coworker, whatever. Um, well, I don't you know coworkers are not generally loved ones, but they're in my life. Um, I can have an expectation about how they're going to. Um, react to something, how they're going to, you know, that they're going to say no to some request of mine. Uh, and, and so that can turn into a resentment about something that actually never happened. <laughs> yes, I do okay. that too. The pre-med- uh, the preconceived, like you develop the whole scenario in your head of like, you're going to ask them to do this thing and they're not going to do it. And then you're going to feel pissed off about it. And this is how you're going to approach the argument. And it just like, oh, <laughs> snowballs and it's totally nuts. One right. of my um, exes one time told me, Swayza, you don't even need me here. You can have a whole relationship just by yourself in your head. You don't even need me to be present for this. So wh- the way that I can deal with those is to be upfront, to be open, to say, you know, I would like to do this. I'd like to go to this movie. I'd like to go to this concert. I'd like to do this thing this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to not do this thing you want me to do. Um, whatever it is. And and to say, to state my needs, my desires, uh, and to hear their response. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is that often their response is not what my expectation had it being. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I want to go see this movie. Okay, go. Like, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I got things I can do this evening. I, you know, friends coming over. We're going to talk some program or whatever it is. And, and, uh, um, and so that just cuts it, cuts it right off. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't even have to get the, to the, to the resentment. Um, oh. yeah. Oh, I was just saying both of the things that you guys said, which was essential, it seemed like you were saying, you know, do the action that you need to get the result that you were, I mean, do whatever you could, keep your side of the street clean. It reminds me of something that I keep hearing in the rooms, which is um, act your way into better thinking instead mm-hmm. of think your way into better acting. Mm-hmm. Is that how you guys feel? Like once you, I mean, once you take those steps forward and do what you feel you need to do to keep your side of the street clean, do you feel like you've, um, I mean, come back from that sort of self-destructive cycle you were talking about, Spencer, where you're regaining some self-esteem, regaining some serenity, uh, et cetera? Yeah, well, I, I think I need to get out of my head a lot of the time. Um, uh, you know, I can build up, I can build up resentments, I can build up expectations, I can build up anger, I can build up shame when I'm just in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, I can talk to the person involved directly. Uh, I can call my sponsor. I can go to a meeting. And there are a lot of things that I can do to get out of my head. 
Um, you know, I can I can go read a meditation on our website. I can go write a meditation on our website. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 helps a lot sometimes. Like I'm struggling with this. Let me let me write about it. Uh, I think I think it boils down for me to um, a lot of my resentments have been resentments directed toward people for not meeting my needs. A great way to you know circumvent that is to meet my needs myself, so that I don't have to get re- resentful at other people for not meeting them. And if I'm not meeting my own needs, I can just you know look at what I'm doing and fix my behavior so that I'm I'm a happier, healthier person. And you know I think that's the the one of the other like small self care things I do also to deal with resentment is physical activity is fantastic for me and resentment. My, when I started. I started therapy before I started recovery, and my therapist always used to say, when you're mad at your qualifier, don't scream at him, go out for a run. She's like, I've had women who have, you know, gotten themselves incredibly fit. She's like, I had one client who got herself a stress fracture in her foot and stopped fighting with her husband over, you know, his drinking or his, you know, his behavior. Um, And for me now, you know, I always do yoga pretty much every weekday, um, you know, four or five, six in the evening. And so it's almost kind of a good way to kind of check all the resentments at the door. Why, if I'm like getting upset about something or getting angry at something or getting in my head, you know, I go and do that physical activity, which comes with a nice bit of meditation at the end. And it kind of lets me emotionally start over. And that's really helpful too. Hmm. Oh, that sounds great. Um, so, I really liked what you said about yoga. I often have a little bit of difficulty with uh, meditation myself, which I may or may not have called Spencer about a few times. Um, I, so I, it sounds like what you guys do, like we were saying earlier, is you just get out of your own heads, check your resentments at the door, and then get more self-aware. That seems to be, I mean, that's what helps me a lot, is to be more self-aware of the situ- of what I, my part in it is, what my situation is, what I'm in control of, and then letting go of what I'm not in control of, which pretty much is the serenity prayer <laughs> right there. Yeah, I know that a lot of anger um, comes from a fear place mm-hmm. for me. Uh, and so when I'm getting angry about something, I'm getting angry about something somebody did or, or whatever, um, I can I can stop and I can look look into myself and say, you know, what am I afraid of here? Um, am I afraid of an outcome? Am I afraid of, that something will happen? Am I afraid that something won't happen? And if I can if I can do that, then I can get some clarity about why this thing is happening. Because you know, feelings happen, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and but to get past them, to to get past the reaction. Um, uh, it helps me to have a little more understanding of of where that feeling came from. Uh, why why am I angry? Why am I upset? Um, you know, and and uh, so an example there, and it's not maybe not quite resentment, but it certainly it, it expresses itself in a very similar way. Is is when um, my loved one uh, expresses pessimism, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, and I hear that, and actually, you know, I think this is changing, but I used to get really, really angry. Like, you know, don't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hate it when you talk like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I finally thought about it, and I thought, well, you know, there's there, what what's going on there is fear. Mm-hmm. There's fear that, um, you know, she's maybe going to go into some kind of 
depression spiral thing and that I won't have her. Um, and, you know, and that's a great example also of, of where my brain is not a healthy place to be because it can so quickly take me to those disaster scenarios. And, and then I can be, you know, living in the fear and the anger of the disaster that hasn't happened. Um, as uh, I, I think I've heard it in the room, actually, uh, you're living in the wreckage of the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, I think that's really interesting. One, one thing I caught in uh, what you just said is you were saying, you know, I do this thing because, you know, when my qualifier will get, you know, pessimistic and that, well, she doesn't do that as much anymore. No, do you I have, don't do that as much anymore. Because one thing I found for me is I got so stuck in kind of the way of thinking of how things used to be that I almost didn't, you know, it took me a while to notice when recovery was happening and our relationship and in my household. And, you know, I'd be resentful over these things because I was expecting the bad behavior and then I'd get the good behavior, but it was still like, it didn't even register right away because I'm so used to that negative thought process. Um, but you know, one, one other thing that I find with resentment is I, I feel like there's really two components of resentment for me. There's the negative thought process that feeds it. And then there's that really intense feeling of anger. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I almost have to deal with the two parts separately because when I'm really, really angry, I'm not going to be able to, you know, put, you know, my recovery thinking cap on and, you know, (laughs) think in a healthy way. It's like I need to dial that anger back first. And I feel like that's almost kind of a different thing because we talk about the resentments and where they come from and how we deal with that. I can't really think in a healthy way when I am just raging pissed off. (laughs) And so that's where things like, you know, physical activity come in for me or a lot of times calling a friend, uh, pets are great for dealing with mm-hmm. anger. It's like, how do you be angry when you've got, you know, it, you know, a whole pile of feline cuteness napping <laughs> on the couch next to you? And, you know, it's just like little th- or like watching stupid TV shows online mm-hmm. or like just something to kind of get out of that place of just this really toxic little anger storm going on in my head. And then once I've kind of manage that, then I feel like it can go into the more healthy thinking of, okay, why am I so pissed off about this? You know, where does this come from? Um, but I feel like managing the anger is a big part of it. You know, that's that's a really good point. And I had an experience like that recently where um, I was really angry about something somebody was doing. And I knew that it would not be a good idea to express that anger to the person. In fact, I wasn't even sure I knew exactly who the person was. <laughs> Okay, because this was something that somebody was doing to somebody else. And I was getting, you know, I was all codependently angry about it, right? Oh, yes. And, uh, and, and so I sent an email to, this was all happening by email, so I sent an email to another friend in the program and I said, you know, I just want to go find this person and like, you know. Slash their tires. <laughs> something like that. Um, I just, I just want to go tell them what for. And the, the person that I wrote to wrote back and said, I'm really glad you said that to me instead of this other person. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's why I said it to you, uh, you know, because I had that anger and I knew it was not, I mean, it's not my anger. It was not my situation. It just, I was getting worked up and, and I knew that I needed to do something to relieve it. And, and I was actually at work. Mm-hmm. I was sitting at my desk at work and, and I couldn't like go screaming, yell. I couldn't take the dog for a walk or whatever. And, uh, um, so what I could do was, was share that anger with somebody who would know why I was doing it, mm-hmm. who, where it was not harmful, mm-hmm. uh, to anybody to, to express it. And, you know, that helped to relieve it. 
It, it really did. And anger sounds like a, anger is definitely a big deal for me too. Um, but I read somewhere I, I don't know if this is necessarily this is true or not, but this definitely helps me. I read somewhere that the um, the chemicals in your body that actually produce the that feeling of rage and anger really only go for ninety seconds, and then after that, it's just us feeding back into thinking about that thing over and over again. So you're just like shooting all, like you're just re-triggering your body on purpose. Like after 90 seconds, it's all you. <laughs> and so um, nowadays, especially when I'm at work um, and I feel myself getting angry, I'm, I just say, oh, you know, bathroom break time. And uh, I step out, go to the bathroom, close the stall, sit cross-legged on the toilet. <laughs> and, and I count backwards from 90. And if that's not enough, I'll, I close my eyes, meditate and count backwards from 90 again until until I don't feel angry anymore and until I can, you know, go down and write an inventory that isn't, this guy was an asshole and this person was just a jerk and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but a lot of times, actually, I find myself getting really angry, though, with people that I love, which is the hardest <laughs> for me. Is um, It's also the easiest for me to have happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the hardest for me to deal with. Though, um, actually, Liz, I remember you telling us about this quote that I really, really enjoyed. I think you said it was Rumi, right? I, I believe so. And the quote is, um, and still, after all this time, the sun never said to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with love like that. It lights up the sky. I, I loved that quote. It's, it sounds, I mean, I, I would like to be able to, I, I think we all are capable of that kind of love. It's, Sometimes I'm not necessarily tapped into it <laughs> as much, but um, when I get angry, I, especially with people that I love very much, my parents or uh, my significant other, I I try to remember that because I love them, it doesn't mean they owe me something. It doesn't mean they're supposed to behave in a way that can be lovable. Um, it's well, just saying you owe me. It's it's stating an expectation, and right. as we know, expectations are premeditated resentments. See earlier episodes for more details, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at all I've done for you. What are you doing for me today? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I can go there. Uh, and no, I love that quote, too. I had never heard it before, and it just, like, it lit up, it lit up my day when I, when I read that. I was like, oh, that is so true, that there are things that we do because... We do them out of love. We do them because we want to and, and that we don't need to expect a return for. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel that way. I, uh, one, of the way one of the places that I can really feel that is, is in an Alana meeting mm -hmm. um, because we can be there, um, you know, caring about each other, um, you know, as, as our closing says, loving each other in a very special way. Without feeling any obligation, without feeling that anybody in the meeting owes us anything, um, and there are very few places in in my life uh, where I can feel that way, and so it's good to have a place to go where I can feel that, and 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 that does help, you know, if I can get myself back to that, uh, you know, well, hey, I did this thing and I never even got thanks, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, that's there's a resentment right there. Man, I put myself out there and, and nobody even noticed. <laughs> um, well, why did I put myself out there? Was I putting myself out there to get credit? Was I putting myself out there because I wanted warm, fuzzy feedback? Mm -hmm. um, and if I was, then, you know, I need to look at that motivation. Right. Okay. 
Um, because if I'm not in a relationship, in, in a sort of a situation where that's expected, mm-hmm. you know, like work relationships are more like that. Like, you know, I do something for you. I do something for my boss and I get paid. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and certainly I try to express thanks when people do things, but to expect that just sets me up. One thing um, this quote um, brought back for me is, you know, so we talk about making gratitude lists in recovery, um, but sometimes I feel like the gratitude lists sort of just scratch the surface of what it, what's really important to us in our life. Um, when my qualifier and I were separated for about a week, um, we had, he had broken up with me. And then a few days later, after talking, he had kind of been like, well, you know, maybe we can give this a try, but I need a couple weeks of, you know, space from you and to really kind of think things through. And I knew it was going to be impossible for me to not call him and like tell him all these reasons he should, you know, take me back. Um, so what I did is I wrote him these, uh, these love letters and, uh, you know, kind of, especially after going to my first Al-Anon meeting, like, you know, meditating on what I had done to make our relationship so unhealthy, all of the things I loved about him, all of the things that were so important to me. And, um, and I did that recently. We hit our five year anniversary last weekend. And so I wrote him a letter about, you know, where our relationship is now and all of the things that I appreciate it. And so it's almost like gratitude essays instead of gratitude lists. And even though I sent these to him as like, you know, so that he knows how much I care about him and what, what I find important about them. Cause I think that's a really nice thing to hear in a relationship. Um, you know, it's also helpful for me to read those back sometimes if I'm really pissed off at him or, you know, things are going in a way that I'm not really happy about in a relationship to kind of look back and see, you know, what, what is the things that really matters? What do I really love? What's important? And, um, and that's been really helpful because it just refocuses on me on, on the good things and what really matters, not these stupid, petty little resentments over, you know, there these six different water glasses that are sitting in the hallway upstairs because he's left them in the bathroom in our bedroom and stupid things like that, that really kind of get in the way of this beautiful relationship that we have. And the fact that I'm like so irritated about these things. So, um, that's been really helpful for me is just, you know, putting it down on paper, why, what's important and being able to go back to that. So it sounds like you're saying, you know, p- keeping things in their proper perspective. Right. I remember earlier you were mentioning that resentment is the anti-gratitude. So I kind of got from what you were just saying that gratitude is the anti-resentment right. to a degree. Like, for me, it is certainly. Right. And so you, with gratitude lists, it helps out a lot for you to put things in their perspective and see what's good in a situation. Yeah. And Well, when I, when I was doing my uh, four step on resentment this week, um, one thing that struck out, stuck out to me is like, I listed all the people I had felt really resentful towards at some point in my life. And all of these people were people I cared about. I didn't feel really resentful towards somebody I hated or had no particular relationship or no, or no opinion with. So I'm really angry at these people who I really care about and who are really important to me. And it makes it, it, it diminishes the resentment when I can put the focus back on why do I care about them? Why are they important? And is this stupid resentment I have all really worth kind of eroding the relationship I have with this person? That's a great tool. I hadn't thought about that, um, you know, to, to put the whole relationship in perspective uh, to help with reducing or eliminating um, negative feelings, resentful feelings that that I might have about somebody. The other thing I thought about as you were talking is that uh, the oft-repeated advice that if I'm resentful at somebody, angry at somebody, if I feel like that person is is, doing me some kind of disservice or whatever, that I should pray for them. 
you know, pray for the person that I'm angry at. Um, and, and, you know, what I heard there is that, you know, when you're looking at, at the things that you're grateful for about that person, I mean, that is, uh, that is sort of a form of prayer. There's this book that I, that I was reading, um, by Anne Lamott called, um, Help Thanks Wow, The Three Great Prayers. <laughs> and going through our gratitude is a thanks prayer that recognizing the things that are good in our lives and, and being grateful and being thankful for them. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the purposes of prayer is to get me in touch with my higher power. And, and so anything that helps me get in touch with my higher power by, again, getting me out of myself, getting me out of the, the cycle, the, the self-defeating cycle of thinking is, uh, is, is a, is a way to help deal with things like resentments, um, in my life. So thanks for thanks for sharing that, Liz. That all sounds like really uh, incredible choices that you guys make to deal with your resentments. I, I'm definitely gonna probably need to go home and do a gratitude list some point. Not about this, guys. I had a lot of fun here today. <laughs> um, <laughs> Try the gratitude essay. Gratitude like, go essay. deeper than just the you know one shot little sentence or paragraph or mm -hmm. word about what you're grateful and really kind of. For me, it's been really helpful to put it on paper the whole like all of the reasons why i'm grateful for this thing what it what it means to me like put it in a oh. you know more extended written format oh i like that i all right i'm probably going to type it up though i don't i can't read my handwriting <laughs> i've it's all on my computer i i get like i don't think my hands are strong enough to handwrite things for an extended time period anymore because <laughs> i always type <laughs> mm. well um so yeah. I, go ahead spencer yeah it's at thanksgiving thanksgiving morning i got up my wife was still asleep, and I sat down with, well, with Facebook, okay, but, you know, um, and, <laughs> I <got that laughs> and I started thinking about, you know, hey, it's Thanksgiving, and, and what am I thankful for? And I did, I did an alphabetical gratitude list, which is a tool, mm -hmm. um, but instead of just like, uh, let's see, A, I'm grateful for air, B, I like bananas, um, one of the things that I did was I focused a lot on the people in my lives, in my life, and uh, for each of them, and it was it was a little short, I mean, you know, one sentence sort of thing, but for each of the things that I was grateful for, I said something about why. I haven't tried doing the essay thing, but I feel like in that process, I had to think about the person, I had to think about what I was grateful for in that person, and then I had to condense it down to, oh, um, you know, a phrase or a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, taking something from a big long form and trying to pull out the essence of it is also a, a really valuable exercise. And, and, and I think, I think a lot about a lot of different things in that process. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember, um, a minister friend of mine talking about, um, uh, a sermon she gave that was at a national gathering and she had a year to prepare this sermon. And she said, so I wrote about eleven or 12,000 words. Um, and then came the really hard job of bringing it down to 1,100 words. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, that would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I think it's been a great discussion. Um, and uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll move on, and after a short break, we'll come back with uh, our lives in recovery. Where we'll talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. And, and Liz, what's our musical interlude here? Uh, that would be uh, "Before He Cheats" by Carrie Underwood. 
And what does that say to you about resentment? What do you see resentment uh, that, in that song? That was resentment from a earlier time in my life before I hit recovery. Um, <laughs> you know, so the the song talks about you know this woman who's been cheated on and her absolutely mauling the car of the man who cheated on her. And I just remember at one point um, in my life thinking, why'd she just do in the taillights? I would have lit the car on fire. <laughs> Thanks for that, Liz. <laughs> Probably slow dancing with a beach blonde tramp And she's probably getting thirsty Right now, he's probably buying her some fruity little drink Cause she can't shoot whiskey Right now, he's probably up behind her with a blue stick Showing her how to shoot a combo And he don't know section of the podcast we talk about our lives in recovery um so what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week spencer well uh, we were we were chatting during the break and um about how much uh in in january we seem to be getting a lot of first step a lot of uh, basic recovery you know what brought us to the program why are we why do we stay in the program how do we qualify for the program and and that certainly that pattern uh, was true for me this week uh, my uh, Sunday night meeting uh, ended up at a first step table. Actually, I think chose to be at a first step table. Um, and uh, it's you know it's it's a it's valuable for me to to think back um, and to relate where I've come, where where I where I was, and where I've come to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I'm going to skip ahead to Friday uh, because the reading Friday night was about. Why do we pick up on other people's stuff, and and is this about some uh, defect in ourselves? And uh, what I related to there was thinking about the way that I've told my story over the years that I've been in Al-Anon, because at the very beginning, well, at the very beginning, it was, you know, my loved one is drinking, and I want her to stop, and I'm in pain. That was that was my story at the beginning. <laughs> okay. And it was very much about 
her and her effect on me and not very much about me. And then she went into a, a treatment program, uh, found some sobriety. And so then my story was, oh, I came to al and my loved one found sobriety. Okay, so it's still about her. Mm-hmm. And then as, as time went on, um, I started focusing more and more. As I told my story, I started focusing more and more on me and less and less on what was happening, you know. And, it, and at first I thought, man, I have to tell, like, the whole drunk log uh, <laughs> so that, you know, this new person will connect or whatever, that they'll relate to it. And, you know, sometimes they did and sometimes their story was something completely different and so maybe my drunk log didn't mean anything to them. And, <laughs> and, um, and I remember having this, this insight when I heard somebody else talking about his experience and, like, it was almost entirely about himself. It was about what was going on in his head, how he was feeling. Um, he was uh, not finding, not not accepting recovery, you know, not accepting the steps, and then you know what happened in inside him that brought him back. And I was like, wow, that's that's like a really different way of looking at it. Maybe you know I should try to do that too. And so, and now when I tell my story, it's very much about me. Um, and so that was, that was, you know, those, those sort of bookended the week, those two experiences. Uh, it was very interesting for me personally. Liz? Uh, yeah, I wasn't at the Friday meeting because restaurant week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did read that reading and, um, um, and I, you know, I got a lot of that. That's something I've been kind of looking at for myself recently because I certainly did the same thing that you did is, you know, I came in and I just wanted to, you know, bitch about my alcoholic and all the crazy shit they did and, you know, as a newcomer, I did find the drunk logs, as you call them, very helpful because it was just nice to know that other people had been through this too and other people knew what I was going through and could feel it in a very intimate way and a way that a lot of my friends, you know, really couldn't. I remember when my qualifier, you know, hit recovery and, you know, talking to friends about things that I had experienced with him and it's just like they'd look at me like, why the hell are you still with him? Like, what, 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 why did you do that? And, you know, going into the Al-Anon meetings and having, you know, 10 other people raise their hand and be like, oh, yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about. And I, that was really, really helpful in the beginning because just, just to feel like, just to feel like I could actually get something out of these rooms because people understood me. Um, but, you know, as I've gone through recovery too, I've kind of been trying to shift. Um, and I think I've gone through different phases where I started bitching about my qualifier. Then I moved on to bitching about my family of origin and how they made me the crazy codependent I am. And lately I've been really trying to work hard at kind of seeing, you know, seeing my own contribution to my my different pains and experiences and, you know, how how to really kind of focus on healing and focus on myself. And a lot of this talk that we've had recently about, you know, first steps, why did I come into these rooms has been really helpful because it's reminded me, you know, that, you know, I am powerless over alcohol, but I am powerful in my own life and I am in control of kind of my own recovery process. And, you know, I, I might have had, you know, an alcoholic grandmother and an alcoholic boyfriend, but I probably belonged in Al-Anon, you know, from day one. And all of these things that make me a member of Al-Anon are just uniquely me. And I'm very uniquely, specially codependent in a way that is totally independent of all of the alcoholics in my life. Um, so I go to the same meetings that 
Spencer and Liz go to. Um, but I really love, I, we were talking about this in the break also, that, uh, and I think people call this the magic of the program. You go to the same meetings, hear the same talks, and walk out re- hearing completely different things. Um, at, uh, actually, on Mondays, I go to an AWOL group, and um, we're going over fourth step there, going through the blueprint for progress. And Wednesday, um, we had a woman speak at the Wednesday meeting, and I, Spencer and Liz, I think you guys said you heard that it was about belonging, and I heard her talk a lot about her mother, <laughs> which is funny because I'm doing a fourth step on my parents right now and my family of origin also. Um, and then, and Friday it was about, you know, people making it. Why is it that we focus on people making us crazy? And, um, what I heard, <laughs> what I heard was people talking about, oh yeah, now that I'm an Al-Anon, should I go, I mean, should I go around and tell people how to handle alcoholics? Like I'm, I'm codependent in that way where I'm like, I now have new knowledge that I will be able to fix the people that want to fix people. <laughs> um, so yeah, like this is, that's what we've kind of been working on, uh, for me. I mean, that's what I've been working on for my life in recovery. Our topic next week will be step two. Uh, for those of you who don't know, step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your experience and questions about step two. Spencer, how can people send us emails or experiences or questions about step two? Right. Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail like Mark did earlier at 734-707-8795. Yes, you can put the podcast on pause right now and call 734-707-8795. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email. Uh, the address for that is feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope about today's topic of resentment or about next week's topic of Step 2. And if today's discussion raised a question in your mind, or if you have questions you'd like us to address about Step 2, as Mark did, then give us a call or send us an email. And also, if you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, let us know and and we'll schedule it. Liz, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of Al-Anon open talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. Another way to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website is to leave comments on the show notes or on the blog. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. And we don't have any other feedback this week. We are in the iTunes Music Store, and I'm working on getting us into some other uh, directories. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how to get into the Android market. I have to figure that one out, but I know there's a way to do it. Uh, but you can listen to the podcast on the website. You can subscribe through iTunes there. And if you've got some kind of a podcatcher-type software, which um, I'll be putting up a page with, with better instructions about that on the website, but there's a link there that you can put your podcatcher at as well. And uh, if you... Uh, Find us in iTunes. Uh, please subscribe. Please leave a, a comment uh, with a rating, um, and that will help us to be more visible to um, somebody who's looking for some recovery uh, in iTunes. So we're now going to close the show with a song called The Grudge by Tool, and I feel like the the uh, title is sort of self-explanatory about why we <laughs> chose this particular song. Um, and I'll be putting, I think, a, a link to a couple different videos uh, on YouTube on the website because 
Um, there's one that I found that has the lyrics, um, which, you know, are reasonably easy to understand. I mean, it's this metal song, so they're a little growly at times. And, and the other one has this totally bizarre animated video that, that goes with the song, um, that I was just sort of fascinated and horrified by at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems are, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so that we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. 